Is it possible that the 11th game of a basketball season on December 14th could define an entire season for one basketball team? What's up, guys? Greg Schaefer here, Locked On Irish Podcast, coming your way right now, Friday edition. Hope you're having a great week. Hope your Friday's been good to you. We're almost here at Christmas, all right? It's almost Christmas time. You guys better get that shopping done. How's that going, by the way? Yeah, for some of you? Mm-hmm. I, I, I get it. I'm in that boat. The first half of the, of the group listings, like, yeah, it's going great, Greg. It's done, even. Maybe some of you, it's done. Others of you are like, oh, crap, that's in 10 days. Are you serious right now? Yeah, that's me. That is me. I'm one outside. It's a little colder than normal. I'm like, okay, all right. It's it's cold. The weather's changing. Traffic's pretty heavy. It's weird. What, what's going on? Why is this store so busy? It's it's a Tuesday. It's, it, oh, oh, the lock, the big giant inflatable frozen character over there reminds me that oh crap, it, it's that time of year. Get your crap together. It is time. It, you got to have that shopping done, or you're gonna have some unhappy family members. So before we get this show rolling, big show today. That's just a reminder to all of you: get your Christmas shopping done. That's what I'm doing after this show. But first, we podcast, right? <laughs> so follow us, Locked On Irish on Twitter, Locked On Irish on Facebook. We're everywhere. You can listen to this show anywhere, anytime. You got iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. I mean, we are legitimately everywhere. So wherever you get your pods, make sure, download us, check us out. We are the official Notre Dame daily podcast, your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we've got a UCLA preview. Should be an interesting game tomorrow, a unique opportunity a very unique opportunity to take down a team that kind of mirrors us in some ways. We're not quite as athletic, but uh, just going to give you our full-on UCLA preview. Then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some redeemable qualities to bowls. And I like the bowl system if it has to be there. I mean, it's football. I grew up with the bowl system. It is what it is. It's not the best solution. In fact, I, I've compared it before. It's like you watch a movie. It's a fantastic movie. It might be the best thing you've ever seen in like the last eight minutes. It's like, what What was that? That's exactly what the college football season is, essentially. And our second segment today, that'll be our last segment. We'll wrap up with that. That's an old rant from podcasts long ago, far away and long ago. Uh, we're also going to talk, uh, how would Notre Dame have done this year had we have just lost to Michigan or just lost to Georgia, or maybe we go undefeated and we slipped into the playoffs? How would we have done against this year's crop of talent? And then finally, I do want to hit on, um, yeah, we'll hit on that. We'll, we'll see how much time we have left. Just have to see how much time we have left. I might want to talk about the Heisman as well, because that's tomorrow night, sneaking up on me just like Christmas. At least Christmas was a little more in my forefront. The, the best player on the best, I mean, the Heisman Award, Haha, ha. pause, pause for laughter. The best team, uh, or yeah, that too. The Heisman Award uh, was not quite as on my radar as uh, as Christmas, luckily. So, so UCLA Bruins coming to town tomorrow, three o'clock tip off at the Joyce Center in South Bend. I tell you, I was looking around and I, in my research, you know who's really struggling in attendance right now is UCLA. They haven't drawn seven thousand people. Or more, they've they actually haven't hit that seven thousand mark in reported attendance at Poly Pavilion yet this season. Ouch! I mean, I know people in LA. That's always the big excuse why California sports don't draw too well because there's so much more to do. But this is supposedly like a legendary program. I mean, it sometimes you can draw comparisons to Notre Dame football and UCLA basketball. You know, once legendary, 
now trying to find that form again with little little blips here and there of, of, of bright spots, but overall not as dominant, and who knows if they ever, either one ever will be as dominant as they once were. But coming in, led by Mick Cronin, uh, I got to watch Mick quite a bit here in Ohio. I'm, as you know, this show's recorded here in Central Ohio. I follow Xavier basketball. I have a friend hook up. He, we go to Xavier games all the time. Not a Cincinnati fan whatsoever. <laughs> um, and you fall on one side or the other in that town. But uh, you know, point being, I've seen a lot of Mick's career. And he's a very good regular season coach. The guy's going to have probably 400 wins after next season, I would say. He's won a couple of American Conference titles the last couple years before moving on to UCLA. But really, he flames out when the moment is when the moment comes. I mean, he's only made the Sweet 16 once in his entire career. Took Murray State a couple two years out of three before taking the Cincinnati job. Um, you know, he for whatever reason, when the moment is here. I was at the game last year, Cincinnati and Iowa. They play aggressive. He usually has very athletic teams. This team is no different tomorrow. And they just faded down the stretch against an Iowa team who was just average, in my opinion. Probably just average. And in my opinion also, I think UCLA, this was probably about their fifth choice for a coach. I don't think Mick Cronin from Cincinnati was at the top of their list. I, I got to believe that's not the truth. In fact, if you look, follow that coaching search at all, I'm pretty sure that's that's very accurate that he wasn't their first choice or maybe even their third. He probably was right around fifth, but Steve Alford didn't work out. They had to get somebody in there. Mick is, again, a good regular season coach. And let's be honest, the Pac-12, eh, it's okay at basketball right now. It's not It's not the best. I mean, I would venture to say the Big East is a head and shoulders better than the Pac-12. And we look at UCLA, and we almost see a mirror of ourselves right now, a mirror of Notre Dame looking at one another. Both teams are 7-3. and three. Both teams have you know, not really beaten anybody. Our best win is probably Toledo. Their best win is probably, I don't know, UC Santa Barbara, Southern Utah, maybe, maybe. You look at the times they've stepped up in competition, Michigan State, BYU, they lost. You look at the times we stepped up in competition, North Carolina, Maryland, we lost. Now, granted, I think North Carolina and Maryland, I think we've probably played the better schedule. I think they're both better than BYU. I uh, jury out on Michigan State if they're better than Michigan State. Um, then, then they also have a bad loss to Hofstra, where we have a bad loss to Boston College right now. At least it's an ACC team, but I don't know how that game would go between Hofstra and uh, and BC. I really don't. I know BC was very athletic. We knew that going in. But they didn't shoot the ball very well. They had lulls, and we could not take advantage. And that's kind of what we're seeing tomorrow. We're seeing a team. Then this is what concerns me. I'm going to go back to this several, several times. Is just how concerned I am for another athletic team. Athletic teams are going to give us problems. And I'm not even going to make a teaser on it. I'm picking us to lose tomorrow. But it's a very winnable game. And it's a game that, in my opinion, this key, it'll keep us alive. It'll keep us alive for an NIT or a tournament bid if we can win this game. If we lose this game, any team with athleticism will beat us because this isn't a great team. It's not a great team. Now, they're going to be deep. That's kind of been Cronin's MO throughout his career. He'll play a lot of guys. Uh, they're, as I said, they'll be very aggressive. That's that's his style. He's got 10 guys right now averaging over 10 minutes a game. All 10 of those guys have played in at least seven games. So he's trying to find the right combination uh, the right rotation during games to try to figure things out right now. 
Uh, four or five starters are averaging double figures. They're led by Cody Riley at 11.6 per game. Uh, like I said, you know, but they were all right around one another. You know, all the four of those guys, it's like 11.6, just over 11, just under 11 points per game. So they really don't have a guy that they, you know, they that they just go to. That not like the Detroit game the other night where Davis just Antoine Davis is, you know, the guy every single time he's getting the ball coming down the floor. So real quick here, we're going to take a quick break and we'll get down to previewing the roster and the individuals themselves and how just how Notre Dame is going to match up against UCLA right after this. Back at it, guys. It is a weekend eve Locked On Irish podcast. Hope you're having a good one out there. Let's get to this lineup for the UCLA Bruins. They have Tiger Campbell, four-star recruit, really good player. Um, tore his ACL last year, sat out all of last year. He's a redshirt freshman. Not very big. He's only 5'11". But he's kind of their main guy. He's, you know, he's a point guard. He averages 28.9 minutes per game. Only gets about 7.9 minutes per game. Does lead the team in assist with 3.9. Look for Temple Gibbs to uh, lock up on Tiger throughout the game. Now, Prince Ali is a senior. He's a longtime mainstay. He's six foot four. Nice player. Been there for a while. Played all four years. I think Prentice Hub will probably lock up on him. Now, they do have... They do have some nice size at the 3-4-5 position. They're 6'9", 6'9", and 6'10". Jalen Hill being 6'10", he leads the team in blocks, rebounds. I mean, Juwan Durham is going to have to be on him. Uh, Hill is a sophomore, has some nice ability, has some athleticism around the bucket, but this team does not shoot the three-point ball very well at all. Um, this kind of reminds me of uh, BC. Yeah, they're 262nd in the country, three-point percentage. David Singleton leads him leads the team. He's a sophomore. He's as far as makes, he has ten made threes, but five of those were came against Shamanad. So it's like you can't really draw much from that. So again, you know, try not to let these guys out athlete. Our guys. I look again, I look for Durham to be locked up against Jalen Hill underneath. I think this is a good matchup. Again, we're gonna learn a lot about the team. We're gonna learn a lot individually. You know, you got Campbell going against Gibbs. You got Hub on Ali. These are average to slightly above average players. Can we match this athleticism? Because if we can't match that, then the second time around that we play Cole Anthony in North Carolina, the second time around, well, the first time, anytime we play Duke or Syracuse or anybody else, if we can't match this athleticism against UCLA, we're, we're in trouble the rest of the way. I mean, we could be looking at a 10-win season. With our lack of depth, lack of athleticism, um, you know, we hit 23s the other night, but it, I can't help but overemphasize the fact that it was at home. It's against Detroit, one of the worst teams in Division One. Great. If we found something with the three ball, then praise Jesus. Praise touchdown Jesus, the fact that we found something. But unless we show something different, we could lose tomorrow night by uh, tomorrow afternoon by double digits. That's That's just facts. Just facts that we could lose tomorrow night by double digits. And going back to the athleticism of this team, you got Chris Smith, who, depending upon what draft boards you look at, could be a second round guy, the six six foot nine, two hundred and ten pound guard. I look for probably Fluger to be matched up with him, with him being he's our best defender. That's I. That's what I'm thinking anyway. And then I look for um, Mooney to be matched up with Riley. 
I got to believe that's probably going to be the matchup. Or it could flip-flop Cody Riley. He's also 6'9". He's a little bigger. He's 240. So he's not going to be able to move around quite as well. At least it doesn't seem like he does. Averages uh, 11.6 per per game, as I said earlier, leads the team. So kind of strength on strength there. That's kind of what I look for. Or again, you know, Fluger is our best defender. Do you put him on their best score? Again, we're splitting hairs with those scores there because all four of them are right kind of within within one another there. So again, stylistically, I hate this matchup. I just do. I, I truly, truly do. Uh, and the, the fact of the depth, not only athletically do we not match up well, but if they're playing 10 guys that many minutes, we, we only have, what, seven, eight scholarship guys? and a walk-on that can mildly contribute in a blowout one way or another. Now, before we wrap this up, I do want to mention uh, Sharif O'Neal, and if that name sounds familiar, it should. It is Shaquille O'Neal's son. He was hurt last year, or I shouldn't say hurt, had a hurt condition, sat out all last year, made his debut earlier this year. He's up to kind of getting himself up to speed, getting about 11 minutes per game, 2.4 points per game. Uh, he is different than his dad, though. He's quite a bit different. He's six foot nine, uh, more of a swing man, kind of known for spotting up and shooting the ball, and, and no, noted for his ball handling as well. Where his dad was just going to kind of, just literally, no pun intended, but diesel you down the lane. Um, so it should be interesting to see how he continues to develop, and if he can develop. You know, a lot of these guys that have come along in the last few years that have been the son of a. Uh, I mean, go look no further than a Nate Montana. They're the son of greatness, and they're just, okay, look at Michael Jordan's kids. That's kind of another one. Now, there's a lot of history going on between these two teams. We ended their 88-game win streak back in 74 and really kind of got this rivalry, air quotes, rivalry going a little bit. You know, this is one of those things that Notre Dame does. We we set up these intersectional rivalries around the country, kind of like we did in football. We had this we had kind of something going here with Notre Dame and uh, UCLA. We played each other quite a bit, actually, quite a bit, and developed an interesting rivalry with these guys. I know that uh, they're not huge fans of us, and we're not necessarily the biggest fans of them on the hardwood. You know, this kind of started out as just a back-and-forth game. Hey, we'll travel there. You travel here. And then after we beat them in 74 – and then really started to get the best of them in 75 as we took uh, what we take here, five, seven, nine. We took nine of 12 from these guys from 75 to 80, it looks like. We, we kind of skipped a couple years there. We didn't play. Um, but, yeah, it, it looks like, you know, this rivalry's kind of picked up into something, historically at least, you know, it looks like a lot of streaks go on, you know, from 80 to, what, 83, we played each other one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times, and they beat us all seven times, so a little streaky, but I think this is one we can get. I'm just concerned because, like I said, the athleticism not being there on our end really scares me. Truly does, but I, I'll take I'll take UCLA in a close one. I'm thinking 70... Yeah, I'm thinking something like 75 to 70. They average 74 points a game. I think they get that or just above it. So, I mean, I'm hoping for the best. It's definitely a game we can win, and I I see us being in it early. We're going to be at home. We're going to be hyped. We're coming off of a big win. And if we found something with the three ball, all bets are off. 
all bets are completely off. Now, worth noting, Bill Walton is going to be in the house tomorrow with Digger Phelps. Our friends from ABC 57 Saturday kickoff are doing Saturday tip-off tomorrow. Allison Hayes, Vahid Sedrazade, and Matt Randall are doing a show from 2 to 3. You can watch it live at abc57.com if you're not in the South Bend area. And I think Allison's going to have both of them on set. That is a lot of personality on one set. Digger and Bill Walton. Really? Woo! Good luck, Allison. Godspeed, my friend. So let's get into it real quick before we go to break. Let's talk. Uh, this is going to be short. I can tell you that. Um, because I could probably sum it up with no. <laughs> but how would we fare in a playoff with probably being the fourth seed and opening up with LSU. That's a terrible matchup. I think we get ran rough shot. Um, I have nothing for you on that one. I just don't think we match up well. In fact, I'm changing my tune. I'm Well, I picked LSU from the beginning, but I'm starting to lean toward I'm not sure it's close. As long as they don't lose anything in the break. And I'll tell you what I mean. Go back to when Ohio State went undefeated in like 06. Things change. And go look no further than 2012. I contend that Bama in 2012 beats us probably 99 times out of 100. I don't disagree. They were a better team. But whatever we performed, whatever we put out there that night was not us. These breaks are just different. These breaks do something to a team. On paper, Ohio State was probably better than that team against Florida in, what was it, 06? And when they got their brains beat in, it looked like Troy Smith got fat on the Heisman Tour, for one. And they just didn't even look like the same. didn't even look like they could compete. Outside of the Ted Ginn injury on the touchdown, that was it. And, you know, a break just does different things to certain teams. How will LSU react to the break? If they react well, I don't think the first semifinal playoff game is close. I don't think uh, Oklahoma can hang with them. Now, on the flip side of that, Clemson, I look at Clemson and I see a schedule of what I seen last year. Their schedule was, ours was, we had a better schedule. It's one of the reasons I picked Notre Dame legitimately, not just as a fan or as a host of a Notre Dame podcast. I legitimately picked Notre Dame to beat Clemson in my heart of hearts. I thought a true freshman would crumble in the moment. I don't care how good he is. And, and that's my fault. I'll call myself out, out on it. I was wrong. And I looked at their schedule. I looked at how we matched up. I was like, we, we can win this game. And I still think we could win that game. We just made some uncharacteristic mistakes. Julian Love gets hurt. Dante Vaughn, God bless his soul, he just was not Julian Love. More power to Clemson. They took advantage. They were deeper. I look at this Clemson team this year, and I see the same thing. I absolutely see the same thing with this team this year. Is we probably played a better schedule than them. In fact, I know we did. They didn't have a Georgia on their schedule. You know, I know Georgia did against LSU, but they didn't have a Georgia on their schedule. The best team they played was probably A&M, who, they, for whatever reason, they kept getting thrown in the top 25. They didn't have that. I, I On paper, I feel like we would have stood a chance this year, but I don't think we win that game. I think it looks a lot like last year. And as pissed off as Clemson's been playing ever since the close game against North Carolina... You know, I think it looks a whole lot like the 30-3 to from last year. You know, we are using the middle of the field more, getting Braden Lindsey involved more. Maybe we score a touchdown instead of not crossing the end zone. Maybe. Maybe not. And as far as Ohio State goes, as I wrap up this segment, uh, I don't think that one works out all that well either. I would see that game playing out kind of like 
how Wisconsin played Ohio State in the Big Ten title game. Now, I do think we're a better team than Wisconsin. I don't care what they – comparing opponents, I don't care if what they did to Michigan. I think we're, we have more dimensions than Wisconsin does. They have Jonathan Taylor. They have the same Joel Stave-esque quarterback that they've had since the school was established. They don't have many weapons outside of Taylor. The defense is big, strong, physical. It's Stanford. It's essentially Stanford from a couple years ago. It's a poor man Stanford. That's all they are. And I think we could give the Buckeyes a game for, you know, a half, kind of like how Wisconsin did, especially if the Buckeyes are kind of a little bit off. But these Chase Young is something that our team does not have. Kareem on his best days close. Aquara on his best day is close, but there isn't many like that predator-looking cat that uh, Chase Young is. And Justin Fields is just Justin Fields. And I, one of the knocks on him was his accuracy and his throwing. He was more of a runner. Doesn't look like much of a knock right now. So let's take a break. Before we do, real quick shout-out to our friends at DoorDash. With DoorDash, you can treat yourself with, to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you. With DoorDash, right now our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. Listing on the go. If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all of our other offers from Locked On sponsors on or at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back with Heisman Prediction as well as a bowl rant right after this. Final segment on a Friday. Real quick, I'm going to give you a big announcement right now before we get into this Heisman race. I We have our first guest coming up. We're going to record on Sunday, drop the episode on Monday. Me, my favorite co-host, your favorite co-host, Mark Hissom, are going to welcome to the show our very first guest on the Locked on Irish podcast. That's going to be Brian Driscoll, the Irish maven from Sports Illustrated. We're going to talk about this Chip Long situation, obviously talk about the season in 2019 here, as, and preview uh, Iowa State. We're going to have a couple Iowa State previews, and I'm also going to reach out to some Iowa State writers. So again, we're going to record on Sunday, release on Monday, and that is Brian Driscoll from Sports Illustrated. So let's get this last segment rocking and get you on with your weekend. Final segment here, Heisman Trophy tomorrow. My opinion, I think Joe Burrow takes it. Just what he's done and carried a team that for years LSU has been said, oh, they're just a quarterback away. They're just a quarterback away. Well, now the defense is a little bit of a question, and they have their quarterback, and that team looks like the most dominant thing in the country. Absolutely the most dominant thing in the country. I'm not even really sure what else to say. Justin Fields has been great. Chase Young's been amazing, but we all know how this goes. The best quarterback on the best team, especially when that team is either in the playoff, contending for a national title, or or even close. I mean, the only one that hasn't been close in my recent memory has been probably RG3, I would say. I'd say probably RG3. But you just look at what he's done this year. Almost 5,000 yards passing, 48 touchdowns to six interceptions. Just in the competition. That's one of the things I kept going back to. I just kept going back to it. The competition level for Joe Burrow compared to Ohio State. And that's not taking any away from Ohio State. I think they're probably the best, second best team in the country. They may be the best team in the country. They've liter- They've been dominant. They're amazing. They are amazing. Please just relax on what I'm trying to say here. They didn't see a Bama. I don't think they seen a Georgia on their schedule. 
I don't not sure if they seen a Florida. These these wins and the way that LSU got them going to Bama, that's the reason I put them over the top. People talk about Justin Fields' numbers, and they're great as well. I mean, the guy, he's thrown for almost 3,000 yards, 40 touchdowns to one interception. I mean, just mind-blowing numbers. And then you add in his rushing ability, his ability to move around the pocket. He has 471 yards rushing. I mean, the guy is just incredible. But you look, go back to Burrow. Burrow's got 289 yards rushing and not necessarily is, you know, uh, considered a mobile quarterback. Three touchdowns on the ground at Fields is 10. They're both great. They're both great. And sorry, Chase Young, you're a defensive player. We all know how this works. And Jalen Hurts, I... Uh, thanks for coming. I mean, it's a little frustrating that Hertz is there. I mean, I know he's in the playoff. Just This is when people have a say, I guess, if you will, when they say that money's so involved in this because you got guys, four guys from three teams, and they all are on a playoff team because Jonathan Taylor should be there. If you look at his numbers, I know the pictures going around for his numbers compared to Derrick Henry when he won the Heisman and Taylor couldn't even get invited. It, it pisses people off. It really does. And it almost, it really shows their hand as far as what they care about and what actually matters in this award. But I, again, I'm going to go back to, I think Burrow wins it. Uh, I think it's maybe closer than the experts think if I can get away with that term but I think Burrow takes it over probably second will be Fields. And then I look for Chase Young to be third. I, I don't know why, but I do. So let's get on my bowl rant. Let's get you on with your weekend. This is an old rant from a long time ago, and it all stems from the fact that we have 41 bowls this year if you count the playoff. That is, that's a lot. If you go back to uh, probably the early 90s, when I the real early 90s when I remember starting to watch, there's about 18 or 20 bowls. And, you know, they all felt like they mattered. They all felt, you know, important or significant, if you will. Well, some of these, I mean, you're looking at seven and five teams, six and six teams, and I'm going to watch. I'm a college football nut. I'm a college football junkie. I'm going to watch them all. But here's where this all stems from. If you're going to have this system, okay, and apparently we are, it's not going anywhere, for one, I think we should just expand the playoff, 16 or 32 teams, be like a normal sport, have a playoff, let's use the bowl game sites, and, and let's ride. Everybody turns out to be a winner, especially with 32 teams. You can almost get just as many games, if not more. Absolutely. You, well, yeah, you could get more. I'm trying to do the math in my head, but you could absolutely get more. But if you're not going to, and we're in this age of money matters, obviously, because as long as teams are willing to pay or companies are willing to pay and there's networks willing to broadcast and they're still getting good numbers on TV because most people are off and they see a game on on, oh, I don't know, two o'clock on a Friday or two o'clock on a Monday. That's different. Cool. When I'm off work around the holidays, the attendance doesn't really matter. The TV money matters. There was an article I read not long ago about baseball stadiums and and talking about how the attendance is down, but because the TV money's so big, some teams don't even need fans in their stands to sustain because the TV money's so big. So, as the rant goes here, if we're going to have this bowl system, at least let them have some redeeming qualities. Okay, what I mean by that. Location, that's number one. Big-time stadium, that's number two. Classic bowl would be number three. If it's a classic bowl, what do you mean by that? Sun Bowl, 
classic bowl. It's an old bowl. It's the second oldest bowl in the entire bowl system, for those of you that don't know. Awesome. That's a redeeming quality. Next up, Bahamas Bowl. Location. Awesome. Sweet. Send it on. Bahamas Bowl, you count. You're awesome. Stay here. New Mexico Bowl, despite the fact it actually is one of my favorite bowls because of how competitive it's been over the years, it always has pretty decently matched up opponents, gets the bowl season kind of kicked off, and I've heard it out in Albuquerque, that is a party. You're still sending two teams to go play at the University of New Mexico. What redeeming quality is there? Sorry, you're out. Okay, you're out. The Cure Bowl, Orlando. Location, awesome, send it on. Let's go. Here's what my point is. We shouldn't have the bowl game be a lesser thing than your uh, conference championship. And opponents should matter. I am a firm believer that the opponent should matter. Why is it the Mountain West champion, who's number 19 in the country at 12-1, and one, this happened last year, gets the Las Vegas Bowl, location, and classic bowl, because that bowl's been around forever, for those of you who don't know, has to play Washington State at 7-5. and five. Give them another conference champion. Give them a Sunbelt champion, a MAC champion. Give them the third best team in the uh, um, the, the Pac-12. Give them USC. 8-4 USC, keeping Clay Helton versus Boise State, 12-1. Let's go. Send it. Okay? That's what I mean. The, the, these bowls, I'm not real sure what the thinking is behind some of these. I, I, I truly don't. Independence Bowl, you're classic. We keep you. Ford Field, Quick Lane Bowl, fine. If we're going to do this system, we keep you. It's a pro stadium. Sorry, Military Bowl. It's on the University of Navy's campus. I guess that's kind of unique. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hit and miss on that one. Texas Bowl, NRG Stadium, that's amazing. Pro Stadium, send it on. We keep you. Okay, there's some of these that just make sense. Yankee Stadium, unique venue. Cool, we keep you. The ones in the baseball stadium, bye, you're out of here. I'm done I'm done with baseball stadium games. They don't make sense. It's just weird for everybody. Weird sight lines. The, the fields kind of gets chopped up for the baseball team. And, it, 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 and I know they're not playing baseball right now, but it just doesn't make any sense. Arizona Bowl, you're out at the University of Arizona. I, I don't care about that. Don't care. Not a redeeming quality. Get it out. You look at a team like Miami, Ohio. All right, Miami, Ohio. They won the MAC. They're playing the second-place Sunbelt team? No, they play the Sunbelt champion. Why are they playing a lesser opponent? Why is the bowl game lesser than what they just played? They just came out of Ford Field, like I said earlier, and they're having to go to Mobile, Mobile, Alabama to play the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns? No, give them App State. Champion versus champion. And put that thing somewhere else. You want to be in Alabama? Sweet, Tuscaloosa. Call them up. Put them at Bryant-Denny. Let's go. Uh, Armed Forces Bowl. They play that game at TCU. Nope, you're out. Okay? you know, Actually, the Potato Bowl, the Idaho Potato Bowl, unique venue, Blue Field. Cool. We'll call it the Blue Field Bowl, and we all move on. You see what I mean? This stuff needs to change. Legion Field is awful. The Birmingham Bowl, you're out. Outback Bowl, you stay. You're older. Tampa, Florida, awesome. Tampa Bay, you could send your players to go play in a pro stadium. No way, shape, or form should a conference championship be a lesser or a bigger prize than the bowl game you're being sent to. This is a much longer rant. I could go on about this for like 30 minutes, and I will I will die on this hill. I know there's some people out there that's like, you're nuts, or most of you probably just turned me off. So we're about the 31-minute mark. I didn't even see that. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Remember, Irish tip-off tomorrow, ABC tip-off 3 o'clock against the UCLA Bruins. Make sure you tune in to our friends at ABC57 from 2 to 3, abc57.com. It'll be the only Notre Dame-specific 
basketball uh, pregame show that's out there. They do the same thing for football. We can talk about that on another show. Locked on Irish on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So Sunday we'll be recording with Brian Driscoll from Sports Illustrated with your favorite co-host and mine, Mark Hissom, and we'll get that uploaded on Monday. Have a great weekend, guys, and go Irish.